And we are back to Anime Declassified JoJo's Edition in our penultimate episode. Because the ending is upon us. But before we get to the ending, we, uh, we need to catch up a little bit with episodes of Requiem, Diavolo appearing, and oh boy, this past week's episode. But before we get into that, I'm Miguel. Today I'm joined by... Hey everyone, it's Anthony here. I'm also joined by... Hey guys, Rizvon here, and I'm joined by... Connor, and I'm the last person to step in, so I ain't joined by anybody else. You're joined by yourself and spirit. Exactly. And man oh man, what a set of episodes we are in. One of the strangest final confrontations with the villain in this series, for sure, but... Before we get to, you, you know, the more current episodes, <laughs> before we get to the most current episodes, what'd you guys think of our boy Polnareff? And how, how badly did he get effed up by Diavolo? It was so, pretty intense. I didn't read the manga before, so I was completely, like, surprised I was Polnareff. Like, around... Maybe an episode or two before we found out with Polnareff, I was starting to think, okay, this is going to be somebody like from the past. But it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense for it to be Zotero, because Zotero kind of knows what, what's going on with CNR, Zerano and all that. And it doesn't make sense for it to be anyone from the season four cast. So it has to be season three, but I don't know who it could be. I mean, Joseph's, I think he's dead, right? No, just still, still kicking. Still, still kicking. Joseph's he's, still he's alive. Just real, he's just really, really old. I assume he died in the, in the time that passed between... I no. mean, no. only two years have passed since Diamond is Unbreakable. True. But, I mean, he was pretty old, so that was my fair assumption. He's still in you the 70s. Just... Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was Well, I think it's implied that he's old enough now that he'll probably die in the next ten years or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. That I'm on training... Yeah, even though he hasn't done it, like um, now I personally I knew Polnareff was showing up because I'd heard it a long time ago, but I completely forgot all of the context. I knew of the context because people would always post in JoJo's threads, post a part without spoiling it, and they always posted Polnareff next. Well, we're going to get a little ahead of ourselves, but Polnareff next to a turtle. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm like, huh, that is some weird context if I've ever seen it. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward a little bit, and well, here we are. And it makes sense. In its own bizarre way. They even made a, made a joke of that in, like, one of the abridged series I was watching with uh, part three. It was involving, like, at, at the end of the the part and they've all like said the goodbyes and blah 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 and Jotaro makes the line of okay bye don't get turned to a turtle <laughs> oh my god he didn't he did that's great <laughs> I didn't know they had a bridge for Jotaro's actually um there's a few it was a few uh, the one I the first one I've seen was one by Antfish okay. yes yeah Antfish's a bridge one is pretty top notch 
Yeah, that's yeah. actually how I got into JoJo's by watching that first. <laughs> but I never watched that. I, I wouldn't even know what JoJo was. But we were I talking about a bridge series. Either. We're talking about Golden Wind. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. correct. And we see our boy Polnareff just legless, one arm, a weird eye patch. I, I don't know what that thing on his eye is. I don't know if it's... Is. It's French fashion is weird and foreign. Hey, to hey, me. hey, he, 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 he likes to I mean, we got it. Listen, just because one he's having legs, he still can be fashionable. One thing to point out about part five is that part five has a lot of connection to the fashion industry. And in Japan, there was a collaboration with Gucci. Uh,. And, like, there were part five promo things of, like, Bruno and Giorno and other members of La Passione and stuff, like, in the Gucci store in Tokyo. And so fashion and high fashion and very strange, like, artistic whatever things Mm -hmm. play a major role in part five. Yep. And, you know, catching up to part five, uh, at this point, Polnara, for all intents and purposes, just got straight up murdered by Diabolo. But before he, Diabolo was able to kill him, Polnara stabbed Silver Chariot with the arrow. And we saw, we finally saw, like, what that kind of stand arrow can do to a stand. Mm-hmm. It essentially evolves them. So just it taking... brings out their full potential. Yep. Yes. Like giving Eevee a lightning stone to get the best evolution, Jolteon. <laughs> Silver Chariot evolved into Silver Chariot Requiem. And or Chariot man... Requiem for some reason. They just call it Chariot Requiem for some reason. I don't know. And man, that is one slick design. It really I is. Know. Like I am absolutely in love with it. They, you know, they keep it hidden. It's very, very musketeer-like. The hat is stylish. Just oh, it's I nice. I love how it's animated too. Because like, like when I read it in the manga, it was all you see was like a really shadowy type of figure. It's almost it really... a callback to that other stand. The uh, oh, what was it? Pulpos. Oh, you Black mean Sabbath? Black Sabbath? Yeah, yeah, Black Sabbath. That almost kind of reminds me of that. Very lurky, like yeah. And of course, like it had like a similar like thing to it when it comes when it comes to like its weakness. But we'll get to that later. Oh yeah, and just just to show you how powerful it is, like it seems it as soon as Diavolo sees it and he goes to attack it, everyone just goes to sleep. Yeah. Like, pops up, smokes up the room like Cheech and Chong, and everyone goes beddy bed by. <laughs> Even sleep sleep. Yep. It's like after a Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, yeah. You just, you, just, you, you just do not want to eat anything else. You just want to just lay down and just, like, yeah. digest all the food that you just ate. <laughs> <laughs> and so when everyone wakes up, they're, uh... They're not quite themselves. We it's have. Of... Oh, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Look, I was gonna say it was like a freaky fry situation, which is ironic because it's JoJo Fridays. And some of the combinations they went with were just great. Like Mr. and Trish. Oh, that and, was great. And yeah. Trish just bawling her <laughs> eyes out because she's like, I don't want to be Mr. He smells. He smells that like a man. I thought Stevie more freaked out that Mr. was in her body, but she was more concerned about being in his body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing that came into my mind when Trish said that was like, I didn't realize Mr. was a Smash player. <laughs> that hurt. Ouch. <laughs> uh, Ooh, that hurt. <laughs> right in the fears. Shots fired. Mm-hmm. Bing bing. No, I just thought that there'd be more like Mister being like, "Why the hell?" But he they adapted really quickly to their like journey bodies. Oh, for sure. But what like, I... I was expecting a bit of like a learning curve where to relearn. How to use their stands in, in a different body type? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if um, I, I imagine Mister to be more fast on his feet and more like agile with the gun, and I wouldn't necessarily expect that from Tris because he hadn't really been living that kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. might have been like a bit of a sluggish thing on his part, but he picked it up real quick. Mm-hmm. I love how flawless he was still able to pick up the gun in, in her body. He was just like. Ah. Juno, uh, do the blah blah blah, whatever, whatever's going on, you know, get behind me or something. Yeah. And he's all right. like, huh? He's like, huh? Juno, <laughs> like, Juno, who are you looking at? I'm Norantia. Yeah. yeah. And what really interesting, like, what's really crazy about this whole like switching bodies thing is that they're not the only ones that switch bodies. Mm-mm. Like, like there were a lot of people that were around the uh, the call scene, even even beyond the call scene, were just like in yeah, different it's bodies. total pandemonium. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And like a, a police officer and a suspect get switched. Oh yeah. Oh, that was great. And then, yeah, like, uh, an owner and his dog, and a woman and his and her baby. The baby and the mom and, was the best. Right. No, I, I'm gonna go with the owner and the dog. Cause like right. the dog the is just going is like going bark bark bark, but like the human is also like trying to say trying to say things, that, but it's still in the dog's body. It's like yeah, oh, I'm saying. <laughs> also, a bird thing was kind of interesting too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, having the birds, I, I couldn't tell what the birds were originally, but I assumed they're all human at one point. And, you know, another body, because everyone's switching souls, and unfortunately for the, there's someone who's going to be in Bucciarati's body, and they're just going to die right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we don't know who that is at this point, but they're kind of just staying away, because Polnareff appears in the turtle at this point, uh, once the gang establishes who's in whose body. Yeah. Just to recap, <laughs> we had Polner from the Turtle. Mm-hmm. We had Triss and Mista's body. Mista and Triss's body. Um, Narancia was in Ziarno, and Ziarno was in Narancia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's who we know at the moment. Because yeah. Bruno's body is just 
is is dead. So they can't really tell for certain, but they're keeping an eye out on it because yeah. they know the yeah. boss is was also here. And Polnareff even tells him that, and he and he told them there may be two because mm-hmm. there was the Dopio he saw and then the boss. Mm-hmm. But before they can move on, and this is kind of where the episode ends up at. Uh, they they're trying to retrieve the arrow from Cherry. He's just picked it up and is walking away. And then we see some, we see the boss running in, but it's not the boss because it's Sticky Fingers or yeah, Sticky Fingers. I was about to call it Zipper Man. Uh, no, I don't know why you call Zipper Man. <laughs> I I came close, uh, but Sticky Fingers comes out and just straight up punches Cherry Requiem's arm off. So, for now, we're thinking, it, did the boss really end up in Bruno's body, and is this over? And that's where the episode ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was... Meanwhile, uh, on the next episode of Shows of Bizarre Adventure. And so, they knock off the arrow, and when they go... When Bruno tries to go retrieve it, Sticky Fingers just straight up attacks him. So there's more to Silver Chariot's Requiem than just swapping souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Because I know stands can be multifaceted, and obviously... Um, <clears throat> if you're able to... have expanded abilities with a regular stand, you can probably add totally unrelated new things that wouldn't even... Because stands all sort of have, like, a nature. Like, their power is sort of their nature, and they have, like... All of their additional stuff kind of focuses on the nature of that initial power, right? Yeah. Well... well for, um, Golden Window. Yeah. But, like... I it just it makes sense that if you give us something an arrow, a nice little poke with that thing, that it would give you totally unrelated powers. Mm-hmm. So like soul swapping, but then also screwing with like because it it turns the stand against it. But is that the stand or is it the arrow or something it- not allowing it to touch it? Right, and they don't tell us that quite in this episode, but every time somebody went to, or somebody's stand tried to go to the arrow, you know, their stand would just turn against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Sh- tried shooting a bullet to get to it, and they, uh, Sex Pistols just redirected it back to Mr., and if it wasn't for Spice Girl softening the blow, we'd already have a dead castmate. Mm-hmm. And so, at this point, they're feeling good, because they're like, okay, Boss switched with Bruno. Bruno's body is pretty dead. So they, essentially, they think at this point, they've established who's in what. But, oh, but then, we have a time skip. Uh, and before we get to this part, 
it's always funny when they play out this trope of I'm two days away from retiring. We're going to get through this together. I'm going to protect you all. Get bodied immediately afterwards. Yeah. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing. <sighs> Thanks for that, Connor. That was great. That, that, that. I mean, it was that time. Yeah. It was that time. Yeah. And, oh, man. The boss really got the point across that he was still there. Mm-hmm. Just Damn, this scene hurt. Yeah. Just straight was, up. Just straight up threw him through the bars. Like, oh man. Like, we've had a donut dead, and now we have an impalement death. Mm-hmm. And that ain't all, folks. The sound design during this whole moment was really good, too. <clears throat> and I think the part that got to me was when it show when it just flashed towards Fugo. Yeah, okay, so mm-hmm. a point about that. Mm-hmm. I have friends who, you know, obviously they're very hyped up about this. This episode absolutely destroyed them because that bit where they show Fugo and they show him seeing Aerosmith flying up as a bird, mm-hmm. that's not uh, in the manga. Nope. Mm-hmm. That isn't in there. That was added in. And so people were like, and because a lot of time, the thing is, the first time around, some people were like, well, Fugo turned his back on them. And it was like, what what about Narancia? Like what what about how he feels about that? And so, um, at this point, I think we can bring up. If anyone's familiar, there's a book called Purple Haze Feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've heard, heard of it. it. And from what I understand, it's kind of about Fugo dealing with Narancia's death after the events of Part Five, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have like he doesn't have a good time with it. And it's really interesting that they added in this bit. And it's just so... Ugh. And what he says, if I got to see him, I wouldn't mind Fugo calling me dumb one more time. Mm-hmm. Ouch, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was... It hurt, and the fact that when they look at the bird... It's soaring off in the same shore where Abakio was killed. Yep. Yep. Like that just added even more. Like, oh, feels, man. Like, I, as a manga reader, I knew that was gonna happen, but it's like when you actually see it, and like you still aren't like, wow, like this is actually. You're still not prepared for it. You really aren't. And yeah, no, like. David Production, they really know how to work with the deaths and really draw out every bit of emotion from you. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there's been a single death, like even Abaku, who is just straight up a dick throughout this whole show, like it still managed to tug at you. Like, and 
their work and how they do it like cannot be understated right now mm-hmm. so like i hope that this series never gets taken away from them because they are when it comes to moments like this they are top notch at it so it's at this point that they realize the boss isn't in Bucciarati's body because Giorno knows what the distance of King Crimson is. Mm-hmm. So they're sti- they're huddling close together, and that's where Polnareff puts two and two together. Like, yes, he did see two different people, but they were both inhibiting the same body. So it's not so much the boss that's in Bruno's body, but Dopio. Started split. Boss and Dopey on two separate bodies then to like really just make it even more topsy turvy. Mm-hmm. But you gotta imagine there is one body out there that had to have had a soul that's just lost now because Dopio and the boss were one. So splitting the two means that somebody somewhere got screwed up somewhere. Oh yeah. And well, no. Just- We'll yeah. find out here shortly, but we'll find out actually in the next episode. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's so like at this point we kind of we assume what's in what, so they're kind of sticking so close together trying to figure out where it could be. And when they go outside, they see the mass chaos, the all the soul swapping that's happened. Uh, the for the people and animals, the animals and people. It's pretty funny. It, like it, mm-hmm. it was a nice cleanser after the Narancia bit, and they immediately or they catch up to Chariot Requiem, and Bruna manages to trip it to drop the arrow, and th- so they're trying to figure out how to grab it. And they do see that Requiem does use stand against the users. It also prevents non-living objects from touching the arrow. So simple solution to this is, what if something that doesn't have a stand grabs the arrow? Yep. Our boy Polnareff, but just like tripping off an alarm, Chariot notices and straight up rushes towards them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, poor Polnara. Just gotta catch, can't catch a break. No, he never has. Even back in part three. He really didn't. Like, my god. Like, that dude is just the one guy that everything in the universe decided to, like, just pile on the crap on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... He lost two of his best friends. Yeah. Three. Lost his... Three, actually. He wasn't as close to Kakuin as he was to Iggy and Abdul. Well, they have had a bond before because I remember... They they did have the handshake. They did have the handshake. handshake. Yeah, that's why I brought the handshake. Yeah. That handshake will take bond of brotherhood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So he's lost three close friends, his sister, and then before this... Most of his uh, limbs, 
Now his body and his own stand that like he loved that thing. The way he finessed Silver Chariot, like he was one with it. And now that thing's trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. And you know, it brings this episode, these episodes to a close and you know we we now go to episode 36 where we find out where the boss is at, but before the episode gets going, you know, we get confirmation that yes, it is Topio and Bruno's body. And yes, he is dying. But Topio knows which body the boss went into. So he's dying happy, or not happy, but like, you're going to win, boss. You got this. But it gets us another kind of emotional scene from a villain where he's like, I, I want you to call me, boss, just just to comfort me. Come on, man. Yeah. Hit me up. Come on. Hit me up call on my kick. Used to call me on my cell phone. <laughs> used to call me on my bullfrog. <laughs> Late what not when you need my recon. <laughs> Dopio is such an interesting character to me, though. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, like before this, I thought Dopio was just like an identity the boss took. I didn't realize yeah, he was an actual separate character. And then it makes you wonder, like, who was the original person? Was it? Dopio, that was the original host, and then uh, King Crimson slash Diabolo took over the personality. Or is it Diabolo that was running the show the whole time and, and Dopio just came afterwards? Yeah, no, it. I almost felt sorry for him. I, yeah, I did too. Almost. Almost. But he's still a villain, and all villains are scum. Yeah. I mean. But he's the only one that you can actually yeah, he's the only you kind of feel bad for. Yeah. He's still encouraged the drug trafficking in Italy. Therefore, scum. Mm-hmm. True. True. And so after that little brief flashback, uh, we go back to where we, the ending point of last week, of the episode prior to that, which is Polnareff gets arrow, Chariot Requiem tries to go pummel Polnareff. And so when Mr. gets to draw his gun, the gun's broken. Mm-hmm. Another fine work from the boss. But uh, he, Mr., everyone out here playing checkers, he's playing 6D chess as he uh, copped a gun from a cop, but unlike his revolver, he actually needs to fill up like the little cartridges that you put in the pistol. Instead yeah. of just being able to drop the bullets in like super quick. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chariot gets a get in the face. But Chariot still takes the arrow. He's not going down yet. Not, mm-hmm. not easy. No, it's a good sequence. Uh, but I mean, they're. They try to lay it on Chariot, and, you know, he gets hit, but, you know, it's like a juggernaut at this point, just 
has one objective pick up arrow goes towards it like it's taking everything and you know it's pursuing uh Mr. Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah it's 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 attacking erratically it's kind of terminator-esque when you think about it mm-hmm Gives me like especially Terminator Two vibes, like the T one thousand shifty, like. I can't help but wonder. Maybe, maybe there was a little bit of uh, inspiration there because it would have been because it came out in like ninety three or ninety four. Let me look at that. Judgment Day. Yeah, that came or out 95. in like ninety two. Yeah, that's what I mm-hmm. thought. And, I mean, yeah, so by the time Part 5 came out, T2 yeah, part... Judgment Day would have been, like, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, now that you mentioned that, I do kind of see a little bit of the T-1000 in mm-hmm. Silver Chariot Requiem. Just in this cold, calculating, literal, liquid, shifty type. Like, whenever it loses its limb, it just, like, mm-hmm. picks it up yep. and puts it back in. Yep. Yeah, now that you mention it, I'm like, yeah, no, I could see that a lot more. And so, while this is all going on, we hear the boss in the background. So we know he's in one of their bodies. But I like how they just have him in the back of all three of them. Like, they're not giving away whose body he's possessing at this point mm-hmm. which is great because it added to the intensity of when uh you know you're talking about terminator movies now we have basically the thing going on here where they're like who's possessed by the boss can i trust you are you the boss oh that's what you want me to think because you're the boss mm-hmm. like Everyone's just that his- like that hysteria right there because Giorno's like, okay, I have a way to figure it out. Because he knows the gun was sabotage. Yep. And so Giorno's like, the boss is in one of our bodies. But we don't know who. He's like, he knows he's not in my body, because if he was, I would have already, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he's essentially doing uh, similar to the blood test of the thing, where I'm like, I'm, I'm the roll of the hot needle, and you guys are the blood in the Petri dish. And as I'm going to sense you guys, whoever gets the reaction, that's who the boss is hiding in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Nista is like, like, he doesn't draw his stand, which is the thing we need to keep in mind here. Just draws out the gun, and it's like, what if that's what you want us to think, boss? Just so you can get close to us and just kill us on the dot or on the spot. Right. And see, that's just kind of uh, that. That's that's hard to deal with. Like, how do you know what to trust? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they saw what happens if it gets too close. Your head goes through some uh, some cold hard steel. Yeah, like 
Game Crimson just being able to fast forward time just can kill you before you would even have the chance to react unless you're preparing for it. Mm-hmm. Which is why he cuts his hand off because he's like, I saw this in Polner. What? His finger. Said, finger hit his finger. Yep. His he's finger. He cut his hand off. It's like when Ply, he cut his entire hand off. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to count the uh, drops of blood. If I see there's more, I know he's nearby. Mm-hmm. And so when they're going, you know, start arguing and they're going for it, time skips. And our boy King Crimson just appears and fucking, oops, sorry about that, but just punches Gold Experience's hand off. And, you know, Trish, we find out whose body uh, the boss is hiding in. And honestly, I think we all could have assumed that it was Trish. Like, I don't think anyone should have been shocked at that, right? No. Not at all. Especially with the whole previously mentioned at the beginning of this whole thing, the, like... Oh, our souls have the same signature or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or same. Like she would have. Yeah. She, why? Why couldn't she sense them before? It's like, wait, I could, I could sense them before, and for some reason, I can't now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we know why. And the thing to keep in mind is, before he couldn't actually control her outright. Like he had to wait for a moment, and even says, "Once you've summoned your stand." This was my opportunity to pop up. So we know. So like there was some limitations to what the boss could do. But it was still kind of just like, oh, shoot, what do we do now moment? Yeah. And so with their standout, like the boss can actually move the body. Because what a stand up, what happens to a stand also happens to the stand user. Mm-hmm. Good old rules established since part three. Ooh. But, no, like, pretty, pretty intense stuff this episode. Uh, eventually, yeah. they're, uh, the boss just basically starts manipulating Trist to run towards Requiem. Because he's also figured out how to beat it, which they don't explain to us quite yet. Yeah. Any more time? Mm-hmm. Spirit Bomb must take more time to build. So, uh, Bruno and Mr. run off after him. Jorno has to put his hand back together. Yeah. So him and Polnareff are a little bit behind. And so... Like, this is where it gets a little bit confusing for me, which is that uh, the boss notices, or Diabala notices, that Chariot Shadow is the opposite from him. So, it's weird. The shadow is in the truth, the shadow cast by one soul. Okay, see, this is where I get really confused. And remember that question I was going to ask you? Yes. This was it? Welcome to the question. Oh, okay. Ask the I didn't question. know what the hell to make of this. Well, with this, how, how can I explain it without it sounding too weird? It's sort say, of like... Say weird. Say what it's like you... It's, it. you saw that. You saw how like they were able to like 
basically like damage um requiem when there was like this like this little ball of like light of well, it looked like a sun like a mini sun almost if you damage it you damage requiem because basically you're it's like damaging like the the, the shadow the so, sun the sun part of the shadow yeah basically that's kind of what it, you know is what's going that on here that glow, that, that, gl- that glow thing is essentially the core of silver chariot exactly yeah and so what it does was it's able to hide behind the shadow uh not requiem shadow but the person chasing after Requiem. Mm-hmm. And so he noticed that Requiem's shadow was always opposite of where your shadow was at. Yep. So something was casting your shadow. And that something was that core. And again, it didn't make too much sense for me, but Silver Chariot Requiem is like a bit of a head case. Yeah. I mean... Most Requiem stands are, as we find out next episode. Yeah. See, like, I understand the Sado thing, but I didn't think his stand relied on Sado. Well, I'm, we found out it did. <laughs> and that's that, that's a confusing because Polnareff's original Sariot was a Swordsman, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, it was just a swordsman that could strike really fast. So, so what, Requiem just gave him the power to have body swapping and shadow manipulation, or what? Well, it wasn't manipulating shadow. Its core was just hiding behind shadows. Yeah. So the, the stand just hides behind shadows, and that's where the shadow from different angles comes from. Is that him hiding there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that I'll I'll buy that. So essentially, and because his soul, because <laughs> Diavolo's soul was like <clears throat> weird. Yeah, would is corrupted the right word? Yeah, yeah. like his soul is corrupted. Yeah. Like split, it it casts in the opposite direction, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so. Diabalo defeats Requiem, and he has the arrow, and we get a creepy, smiling King Crimson. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like that. King Crimson's honestly probably one of my favorite villain stands ever. Just that 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 smug smile just made me laugh, but just popped in there like, <laughs> but before he got to Kaki, Giorno, playing five-dimensional chess here, turned the blood that's on King Crimson's hand into ants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they take the arrow from him. <laughs> like that was that was a nifty trick. It reminded me a little bit of Josuke's trick with uh the blood and the glass shards when he was fighting Kira. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's a race for the arrow, essentially, now. 
and race to discussing the one thing that I know we're all dreading. Oh, we're, we're not quite there yet, but, you know, <laughs> we get Mista just shooting at King Crimson to to force Diabolo to defend himself instead of going for the arrow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, we get some Sex Pistols manipulation, but then Diabolo is just like, I'm just going to use another dude. Just a random body to take the hits. Uh, Bruno's still far away, and... Oh, man. We get Trish actually doing something. Yep. Again. Uh, She's Spice Girl. (laughs) Uh, To make the bullets uh, basically not bounce off, but just, like, squish. And then she uh, reverted them back to full bullets, allowing Sex Pistols to uh, shoot them back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great, great stand tag teams. We, we've gotten so much of that in this part. It's amazing. It really is. I love stand teamwork. And so they think, oh, we've got this. And then the boss just punches his own daughter to go flying past everyone. And that's how the that's how the episode ends. Yep. And who's surprised? No one. And then you have like you know you have like freaking Bruno just going trash, just trash. Oh man, it it was it was intense, and you know we see her soul kind of go limp at the end too, and that's just like. Cliffhanger ending. I'm glad we've changed endings, ending songs in the second half of this, because man, oh man, freaking you would have been way inappropriate. It for this. really would have, because all I hear is every time I close my eye, <laughs> make up feeling so horny. Oh my god! I just stabbed my daughter right in her stomach. <laughs> <laughs> I would give anything just to get that sterile and sterile from me. <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> but yeah, that's what would happen. And so we get to the current episode. And this was a lot to take in. Yeah, that, that's what I... Yeah. Let's talk. Just, oh man. Uh, well, let's get let's get the talking starting. Uh, boss punches daughter. Trisha's soul, almost dead, but in doing this, King Crimson just propels past everyone to get the arrow before anyone could react. And so we get we get King Crimson grabbing the arrow, stabbing himself, and going. Or before he does that, it's like, this is my victory. I've overcome this. But Arrow's phasing through him. And I think this is essentially the boss using the time skip to, or using his powers to kind of see ahead. He's like, mm-hmm. this is how my victory is going to come in. But when he lands, he sees the souls are returning to everyone else. 
and oh man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Bruno may be my... F- like, I thought it was going to be hard for anyone to surpass uh, Okuyasu as my favorite bro Joe. Mm-hmm. But man, I think Bruno might have done it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I... it's, here's the thing. It's different from Okuyasu because Okuyasu is like just a really good, solid friend. Bruno is a really good, solid friend, but he's also a very capable and loyal leader who looks out for those that Mm -hmm. work for him because he's like, they're my responsibility. I have to take care of. Yeah. Um, he really is something else. Yes. Well, I mean, Uh, so this whole deal. Ugh. Like, for me, it was... Okay, yeah, see, I agree. He was, like, the best bro until part five. But the reason Okuyasu is now second is that he was Sosuke's best friend. But Bukarati wasn't really in the business of making best friends. He was in the business of making mob connections that turned into, like, a little miniature family of just run-down misfits with nowhere else to turn to. And he gave them a place to belong, and he guided them, he nurtured them, he gave them everything they needed to, like, go on and become something more than they were, become some part of something bigger. And to see it go the way it is going right now, that was a bit of a tough pill to swallow. And that's been a pill I've been swallowing for about, what, ten episodes now, I guess? Mm-hmm. I lost count, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, since essentially the end of the uh, first half of the season. Yeah. Like, well, since the second half the started. <laughs> yeah, since the second half started, like, you you kind of had to assume that Bruno was on a countdown, but the way he kind of did it, because there was no other way at this point. Like, he had to completely kill Chariot Requiem. Yeah. Because Diabolo was about to get the arrow. And knowing that when the souls return to their original host, if the body's already dead, you know, he was, he, there was nowhere for him to return to. And... Which kind of begs the question of what was keeping his body going? Uh, gold experience. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, gold experience okay. essentially gave him a bit of a boosted life, but it was on such a timer. Yeah. Is from what I could gather from it. Yeah, the battle with um the last two stand users really did not help his uh and no. the, and, yeah, it didn't it accelerated help. it. Accelerated it. And before Bruno destroys it, Diavolo kinda doing something similar to Dio where he's like pleading with him, like, don't do it. You know, think about what you're about to do. Join me. Like do this instead. And Bruno's like, Nope. Just destroys it. Oh man. 
it was tough. And then that last discussion he had with Giorno, like, just hit it even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they do his ascension to heaven, and it's like... Which oh. was beautifully done. It, yes. So really like good. Yeah. Do you remember David Pro once episode? again? What's that I, I, it might have been episode one, where we had Giorno in the foreground, but in the background we had all the past Star stars and the clouds kind of looking. Oh, down. that was the third episode. Yeah, whenever that happened, like in this episode, I was like, "Damn!" If only the like this is like the same kind of level as like the Zero stars looking down at them for me. Mm-hmm. Because if you really look back, we've lost a lot of people on this ride. Yeah, I think this might be the highest kill count in terms of an actual developed group. We've had. Like, part one, there was only two people, but only one of them was even somewhat developed. Yeah. uh, Which was uh, Zeppeli and uh, Dyer. Yeah, but Dyer was such a non-character that we shouldn't even count that. We only had one in part one. Yeah. Uh, part two, we had Caesar, just one. Uh, part three, we had three. Yeah. So Abdul, Abdul Iggy, Kakuine. Part four, yeah. we only had Shigechi. Part five, Abakio, Norancia, Bruno. Yeah, so far. And we're not even done yet. No, we right. still have two episodes. Oh. <laughs> Messed up. Okay. Get since, away from them. Since we finally can talk about this finally, um, in Fighting Gold, you saw the at, the at the end of the episode, you would see like two, like like the characters, like three of the characters on one side and three characters on the other side. Okay, that so. indicated, that showed that showed you like um, Fugo. Who was going um, Yeah, who's going to die and who's going to live. Yeah, see, that's why I can't watch JoJo's openings as closely anymore. Because yeah. that thing will stick out to me. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you know you, you know it now, Riz, that like go back and watch Fighting Gold. And watch Fighting Gold. You'll see Fugo, Jorno, and Mista in one side, Narasha Fugo and uh Abakio on one side. No. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's one of those things where when we were recording the podcast, I had to tell people, like, don't mention that because I know we're coming into spoilers territory. Yeah. Because there's things that I had already seen that were ruined. Because one, one of the guys I'm friends with and I work with at Walmart, I told him about it, and, he, and even he was shocked about it. He, like, he had no idea that was even like going to be like a, a, a hint, a reference, you know. I guess yeah. I'm watching a thing after this podcast now. You can yeah. go ahead and watch it right now. Like, get the reaction to it. I mean, okay. Like, go watch y'all, it. Y'all, y'all keep talking. I'm going to go. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Just real quick. Yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Yeah, no, it, like, JoJo's openings are all full of spoilers. Yeah, they really like, are. Every opening is full of spoilers. <laughs> like you and may it not notice like it that I... until like part three, I think. Did, rewatch the opening of part one. 
Go back and watch. watch <laughs> it tells you two. everything that's gonna happen in part in one. part two. I'm gonna go watch that later on now. Yeah, like you rewatch the opening of part one, it literally tells you everything that's gonna happen. All right, time to watch. <laughs> it's like I like the after I finished part one, rewatch the opening. I'm like, yeah, this opening is just a giant effing spoiler. Watch part two. More spoilers. Watch part three. Spoilers. Part four opening. Spoilers. Part five. Spoilers. Like, people, don't pay too close attention to JoJo openings. You will get spoiled by them. Yeah. But they do make them on the assumption that this manga is over 30 years old. If you had any interest, you it's meant for the longtime fans. Yeah, like, if you because, like I said, I've only read, I've only seen part three when I first got into JoJo's. Then I went back and watched the the twenty six uh, episode season of um, part one and part two. Then I then I caught about afterwards, <laughs> but I still had no idea what's going on. And some of part seven and. I have zero idea what's going on in part eight. Don't worry, no one knows what's going on in Jojo Lion. <laughs> but I have read part six though, so. And God be... dang it! Yeah, yeah, you see it now. <laughs> okay, so I'm watching the opening. Like, I like the song. I love the song. I've seen a problem yet. At one minute seventeen seconds, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not just that, but some of the other things in that opening. Oh, uh, yeah. Like Triss? For example, whenever they're sh- uh, sh- uh, showing Narantia, do you notice that the chain is oddly on his face, specifically his eye that he gets stabbed through? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Rewatching again? <laughs> I don't believe you. Or when Abakio is in the hourglass, he's holding a sculpture of a face. Oh, I wonder I whose face that, that was. Yep. I noticed that one. <laughs> like, there's a lot that they show in those. Like, the great sense of foreshadowing in the openings are just phenomenal. Yeah, Fugo's Man in the Mirror, like, that's pretty obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, you notice that, like, some of the characters, their faces are kind of, like, uh, shadowed out. That kind of the in place they're supposed to die, I think. Did Jonah have have one? I don't. I'd have to rewatch it. Or the other thing in the opening, when they zoom, when they're going into the body of someone in the hood, and then it... Then it goes to Trish opening up, first person, the boss, inside her body. Huh? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Hmm. I forgot that was a thing. But yeah. Yep. I'm but now I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that did happen. And hmm. we don't even need to talk about Trader's Requiem, where they're straight up showing us Giorno stabbing himself with the arrow. Yeah. Yeah, no. Like but I love on. the second half when they when they show uh, Diavolo and like how like Oh know, yeah. One thing we haven't talked about when they did the Diavolo thing. Like I just said is Oh, yeah, in talking about these few episodes, hey, Diavolo's skipping through time, and it's got that little 
the only one who will win is me monologue going. Yeah. Yeah. While and he's it saying hasn't... it in Italian. Mm-hmm. That is badass. While it won't completely turn me around on Trader's Requiem, it made me appreciate it a little bit more. I'm still saying it to this day. Like, it's 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 really catchy. It's really got grown on me. I mean, I still fight and go a little bit more, but, like, I'm singing Trader's Requiem a little bit more. So-so. It might so, be so. one where you have to keep listening to it to keep appreciating it. Exactly. But I instantly love Fighting Gold as soon as I heard it. Oh, I love Trader's Requiem. I don't know why y'all don't like it. Exactly. I, like, it's a good, I it's sleep. A good song. <laughs> I sleep. You know what? You sleep? I sleep on it. You sleep, sleep on, on it? it? Oh, my God. I sleep on it. I used to think Chase was the worst opening. No, I will say oh, Chase, Chase was bad. Chase is bad. Yeah, Chase was bad. Oh, oh yeah, God, it was easily dude. the weakest of the it's part four great. openings. It was easily the weakest of the part four openings. Yeah, I, I, oh, it was no. still good. I, it gave me okay. The second one too. <laughs> Let me say this. Let me say this. I liked Chase because it gave me those good mid two thousands. Like, when I was in my senior year of high school anime vibe, like, it made me think of Asian Kung Fu Generation and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I liked it. It had that kind of charm, and it, I... To me, that's probably I why that, I didn't like I liked, it. Well, I like that feel combined with the general tone of Part 4. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's probably why I didn't like it, because... Up until Chase, each of the openings of JoJo's just have felt so unique. And then this one, I'm like, this one feels like it would just fit in into any random mid-2000s anime. That's why I wasn't feeling it as much. With Trader's Requiem, when I first heard the little thing where it started off, I'm like, oh, man, this is like a a 007 opening. Just like the little build-up, but then they... The rest of the song didn't quite live up to that. So I'm like, eh, I kind of sleep on it. But this little thing they did with the time skip, the Italian, just very well done. Yeah, I can't believe the- it took us almost an hour after we started recording to mention that. <laughs> Facts. But returning back to where we were, Diavolo... Uh- Right now, he's in a tough bind. Mm-hmm. He does not have the arrow. He's actually the furthest away from the arrow. And so they're all looking. And so he's like, he's going to run away. But Trish, now that she can sense him again, or can sense him, she's like, Giorno, he's going to run away. Kick his ass. <laughs> so, hey, one random thing I like about the second opening. Mm-hmm. Up on my rewatch. Um, very early on in the opening, there's a scene where all the gang is walking, but then we see Fugo take one step forward and stop while everyone else continues walking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is just interesting to me that he pulled that in there. He was hesitant to join them. Yeah. But... Back to where we were at. Instead of running away, Diavolo's like, no, I'm going to run towards them. I'm going to do the opposite of what fate 
tells me to do or what fate is showing me. Because uh, he's like, he thinks that gold experience won't be changed. Because Ajirna, much like we saw in Trader's Requiem, stabbed gold experience. And, oh, man. As a... You things know that didn't happen. Yeah, things didn't happen the way you think would happen. At first. Yeah, you know yeah. that image of the guy going. You know they had us in the first half. Not gonna lie to you. That was me right there. Like, oh man, gold experience yeah. is aft. But yeah. then it it essentially just cracked out of the shell. And but at this point, Diavolo thinks he's winning. Like. This is it. I'm winning. Yeah, I'm doing Buddy's damage. Here. Like he's 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 bleeding. The the air didn't pick him either. I got this. But nope. Uh, the arrow actually went inside Gold Experience, and he's only been attacking an empty shell. Cue mm-hmm. up in the sky, and we get one of the sickest shots ever with Giorno and Gold Experience Requiem. Just that holding the shirt down, hair flowing, and GR just like looking down, like, boy, you about to get it. Mm hmm. He's like, you messed up. <laughs> Big time. Oh my goodness. He's like, yeah, you probably should have run away. <laughs> mm hmm. Oh man. What what a sequence! Oh yeah, and the music yeah. in the background just like it helped elevate it so well too. Oh yeah, and, but Diabala still hasn't quite accepted it, so he's like, "No, I can still predict his attacks. I could still kill him." And you know, he kind of he again sees into the future and he sees what he's gonna do. He's gonna punch right through him. He's going to blind Jorna with blood, and then he's just going to punch him, and he's going to win. And then he starts seeing time go back. And it's like, wait, I'm seeing this stuff in reverse. What is going on? And, mm-hmm. uh, and now we got Gold Experience Requiem that essentially just says no. Nope. That ain't happening. Nope. 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 Yeah. Just. Just. Just no. Like, you have this power. Nah, not gonna happen. You know, my owner doesn't even know I can do this. I'm just telling you, this ain't gonna happen, son. Exactly. It's like I'm telling this because two reasons. One, I like telling you people my abilities, and two, I'm gonna kill you. So yeah. And Diavolo finds himself where he was at before he erased time. And, oh, man, Diavolo just sees, I am effed. And Gold Experience just starts going off on him. And that's how you end an episode. But before that, we see this beautiful sequence of, like, multiple verses verses of him just looking around, like, confused. Yep. What? 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 That was really cool. Basically, what that what happened with that was was that it's like an infinite loop, basically. 
that's mm-hmm. what was going on. Like he, like he basically seen a whole worse of themselves because he gets, he controls like time skip. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing a whole mm-hmm. bunch of hymns just like you know in sequence doing the same thing over and over and over and over like a like a winding like door. You know, mm-hmm. that's essentially what's going on here. And once that gets over with. Let the mudas commence and end episode at Muda 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 Muda. What a what a cliffhanger to end on. Oh yeah. I know you guys know what's gonna happen next. Oh, we won't find out till oh we're recording this on the seventh of July. Three weeks. We have a long way to go. So the reason for this is I believe because of the summer. The summer season is bringing in a new show, and that show is taking its slot, right? Yeah. So and probably happened, also to give the poor guys a break. Well, not that, not just that, but what essentially had happened was whenever they were contracted out to do the air date, remember, we had three episodes of recaps in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, prob- which, delayed, which essentially made them go over their time that they had. They're still going to do the final two episodes of just course. on just back to back on a Sunday instead of a Friday. Cause I don't know what show is taking over its slot, but there was one show that was slated to begin next week for it. That's why it's not finishing out. Yeah. Uh, I know there was a lot of confusion when this was going on because people thought, Oh, they're airing people at first thought this was going to be like an extra hour that they were going to add on, but it's just the last two episodes. Yeah. Uh, so three weeks, we get the conclusion for part five, and <sighs> and like man, I won't spoil anything, but I will say this: the only reason why they're doing an hour special is because there's more content, like mm-hmm. near the end. The end. It's not just they just finish off Diabolo and like you know that's it. They just go on on the lives and blah blah blah. There's more story in the ending than it has in like any other part we've seen thus far. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're getting like 39 episodes every so just getting the usual 38. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And that was episodes 34 through 37. What'd you guys think of them overall? I like them. I need more like time to process everything that happened because I'm just not understanding some of the things that happened like you know yeah it, it was really intense I loved it heart-wrenching amazing yeah beautifully animated some of the best parts of the series again part five probably my favorite arc now mine yeah. too like the art because i like how beautifully they they treat death brutally and quickly in like part three yeah uh i feel like you know and in part four and part five like you get in part five you get like almost kind of a care to it like the one thing we should mention is when Narancha died. This got me real bad. Uh, 
Narancha is laying there and Jorno uh, puts flowers over him and says, here, so nobody will can hurt you anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all of this stuff, like the tragedy, the loss, the and then the awesome kick into like, oh, you're screwed now, buddy. You made Jorno mad. Yep. Uh, I cannot wait. I'm fine waiting, and I eagerly wait to see how this, yeah, uh, how this goes out. I have other animes I'm watching in the meantime. Like I'm really watching, really interested in watching a uh, Doctor Stone and Fire Force. Well, I'm leaning more towards Doctor Stone because I, I love the uh, the aesthetic of how the series yeah. is, you know, done and whatnot. And I watched the That's first episode. One. It's pretty good. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, the only reason I want to watch Fire Force because it has a Toku kind of feel to it. Yeah. I just want to see super awesome firefighters doing cool firefighting things. Same. Like fire with Thanks. fire. Yeah. But those were episodes 34 through 37. Man, we have our last ride a few weeks from now. I'm, uh, I am excited, but at the same time, a little bit bittersweet that uh, JoJo Fridays are uh, done for the foreseeable future right now. Mm-hmm. Unless we go back and review the other season that we never touched. I mean, I, I mean JoJo's Fridays as in like when JoJo's comes out on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's there. Yeah. Because most of these recordings have been on Sundays, Riz. Mm-hmm. But at least but we don't have time to, time to really like, you know, actually plan out what we're going to do, how we're going to do it next, so. Yeah, that's, yeah. these are things that don't need to be said on the podcast. But yeah. until then, guys, <laughs> we will catch you all here in a few weeks when uh, we watch the finale. Uh, I'm excited. Cannot wait to see what the aftermath is. And then after that, we'll all eagerly start going when part sets. But until then, this has been Miguel signing off. Say goodnight, everyone. All right, everybody. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. See you around.